A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Part-Time Genius, a production of iHeartRadio. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? So I've been looking into underground bunkers this week, and that this was just on a whim. It was not because of any real-world events. You know, I just get curious about stuff. And it turns out that living underground is actually a ton of work. So what do you mean by that exactly? All right, well, just just think about it. So first, you've got to excavate and build the foundation for this place. Then you've got to add electrical wiring and plumbing, a septic system, air Uh filtration, backup generators. Like, doomsday preppers put a lot of work into this sort of thing. You know, honestly, I feel like I'm too lazy to really prep for more than like a day or two. And I remember looking up emergency prep foods once. Uh, This is before Sandy happened. And uh, instead of finding anything practical, like I went into this rabbit hole trying to find the funniest ones. And my favorite was something called PB&J in a can. You know, I I think when people hear that, that their instinct is to try to claim that that sounds gross. I want to admit it it actually sounds like maybe that could be good. I'd probably, I'm just hungry right now, but I would probably try it. I know. Like, I thought it'd be this dehydrated, like, PB&J that you heat up and it magically seems fresh again. But instead, it was this tin can with this old hot dog roll stuffed inside mm-hmm. and two packets of peanut butter and jelly that you just smear on yourself. So it was honestly so unappetizing when I found out what it was. I tried to order a few to give out at Christmas. You said you smear it on yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh, you smear, like you do the, you smearing. Do the smearing. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was saying this has just got, <laughs> got really weird. But I, I feel like you and I clearly aren't cut out for prepping, which is why I found, you know, this service for people like us, it's called Vivos. And they've spent the last decade setting up dozens of these subterranean shelters all over the world. And here's the thing. Most of these shelters aren't privately owned. So instead, they're actually part of a membership program where customers pay annual dues in exchange for a guaranteed spot in the closest Vivos bunker. And so that way, like if disaster strikes, members can take shelter at a moment's notice. I like it. So it's like a we work for doomsday. (laughs) I think that's their tagline. (laughs) Exactly. 
And their website lists out a bunch of scenarios this co-living space might be great for. So here, here are some of them. For a magnetic pole shift, a super volcano, or even a social meltdown. <laughs> Which sounds like they're advertising to like a very specific clientele, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're living with Kanye West and need some space from his social media meltdowns, this is perfect for you. But it really does sound expensive to me. Yeah, it, it is definitely pricey. So a spot in an 80-person bunker will set you back about $35,000. And that's actually way mm -hmm. more than I would have even guessed on this. But with the threat of super volcanoes, maybe this is a good investment. I don't know. But... All my research made me wonder what other mysteries are hiding under our feet. From hidden cities to weird creatures, there's this whole secret world to explore down there. So strap on your headlamp and let's dig in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hot Ticketer. And on the other side of his computer screen, waving a pickaxe like he is ready for a gold rush. <laughs> That's our friend and producer, Lowell. I'm not sure if I'm following this one exactly, but he's, he's really waving it aggressively. I do love how, like, even in a quarantine, Lowell comes through with the props. That's it's impressive. so good. But... <laughs> But, you know, uh, I, I do have a little housekeeping to start this off. Since we started up the show again, we've gotten really, really nice notes. Uh, people have been leaving reviews that are super kind and writing to our Instagram and Facebook. And honestly, it's really heartwarming. Yeah. It makes me so happy. So thank you so much for listening. I, I also have an apology. I mentioned this previously, but one of our readers, Charles, wrote in this great correction about the comic book character, the Red Bee. And so I sent him some honey in these cute little like bear bottles, mm -hmm. thinking it's on topic. And then it turns out he's a beekeeper and the last thing he needs is honey. <laughs> yeah. So I miscalculated on that front. Man. I'm sorry, Charles. I, I, I like the idea that he's just going to work his way into every episode. We're just going to take turns thanking him and then apologizing <laughs> and then thanking him. So yeah, good way to go. <laughs> but I, I'd say the bigger thing is that last week we announced the very first ever Part-Time Genius Grant. Mm -hmm. And this is huge news because we've never done this on, on the show before. Yep. We're going to give out $6 to the person who sends us the best ridiculous invention they come up with. Um, we've had a handful of suggestions, but I can't stress how prestigious this very. is. It's truly an yeah, honor. Yeah. So uh, send us your inventions uh, via Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Just tag us in it and we'll look for it. And then next week we'll announce who's won the big money. Mm, this is a big one. I had actually forgotten that we committed to that $6. So I, I need to <laughs> need to focus this week. So just so we're clear, parents aren't the only ones with ridiculous invention ideas. Kids are welcome to, um, you know, winning a part-time genius grant is going to look so great on your college applications. Get your parents permission to submit these, but we'd love to hear from you. So send in your ideas, but all right, enough of that. It's time to get back to today's idea. This week, we're talking about great things hidden underground. And we are, of course, joined by our favorite researcher pal, Gabe Luzier. Gabe, what do you have for us? All right. So when I think of weird things underground, one of the first that comes to mind are cicadas. I actually have some fond memories of these guys from when I was a kid in Southern Maryland, which it's kind of strange because cicadas are, you know, gross monster bugs, which is not all that endearing, but... 
Uh, the sound they make is so distinct. It's this ominous kind of uh, drone. It almost sounds like something sizzling. I feel like you have to do the sound, Gabe. You got to do the sound. <laughs> do uh, the sound. Uh, okay. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Uh, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> they they do it much it. better than That's me. That's how stuff sizzles in yeah. my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, cicadas, you know, they were basically the soundtrack of my summers growing up, but... There was one summer in particular, and this is where my fact comes in, uh, where the cicada noise got cranked up to 11. And this was in the summer of 99, which is the year that the Brood 5 cicadas came to town. And I know Brood 5, it, it like makes them sound pretty <laughs> tough. Like these are like a mm -hmm. biker gang of cicadas or something. But uh -huh. basically, they're a species of cicadas known as periodical cicadas. And basically, instead of emerging every summer to lay their eggs, these ones only come to the surface once every 17 years. So wow. whenever that rolls around, the regions where these guys live are flooded with swarms of cicadas. And they cause this enormous racket for a month and a half. And during that time, they lay some eggs, molt some exoskeletons, and then they all die. And their offspring burrow back underground for the next 17 years. I mean, that is an amazing life cycle when you think about it. But, but it's also kind of confusing. Like, why stay underground for 17 years instead of just one? Yeah, well, the short answer is we don't really know. Like, scientists yeah. think maybe it's because it puts their life cycle out of sync with predators. So, you know, it gives them a better chance of survival. But that's just a guess. All we know is that every 17 years, it gets really, really loud in the summer and millions of these bugs all come out and party. <laughs> That sounds terrible. Uh, but I like that you started with animals because I, I also wanted to talk about one, and that's the star-nosed mole. If you haven't seen one of these, uh, picture like a regular mole, but instead of the usual snout, they have this like weird pink star-shaped appendage on the front. And when I used to see this in like children's dictionaries, I, I always thought it was a mistake. It, it kind of looked like a Almost like when a cigar explodes in an old cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it actually kind of looks like somebody forgot to add a head to it. And instead, they just kind of like glued a squid to its face as a prank. <laughs> like, uh, it, it's pretty disgusting, but also kind of cool looking. Yeah, I mean, you kind of understand why they want to stay underground. And <laughs> yeah. That star nose is actually really functional. It, it contains 100,000 nerve fibers, which help it sense its prey. And just for reference, that's five times more touch sensors than we have in our entire hand. And they're all crammed into this nose that's smaller than like the tip of your pinky. So the mole makes good use of them. Uh, it's basically blind and it hunts by bobbing that star up and down as it plows through soil. So it's touching 12 different places all at once. And the tactic is so effective that the star-nosed mole actually holds the record as the world's fastest eater. It can actually find and devour an insect in a quarter of a second. That's pretty cool. All right, well, since you two have given underground wildlife its due, I feel like I should talk about the plant version of the internet. So instead of using wires and satellites to communicate, plants use fungal threads called mycelia. And it's pretty crucial to their survival. So take the phantom orchid, for example. These plants actually lack chlorophyll, which means they can't create their own energy through, you know, photosynthesis, which we all remember from our elementary school years, like other plants use. So to get around this hangup, the orchid engages in a strange three-way partnership and involves an underground fungus and a nearby tree species. Now, it, it sounds a little kinkier than it actually is, trust me on this one, but the roots of both the orchid and the tree are connected to the mycelia beneath the soil, 
And it's through this middleman that the tree is able to transfer carbon to the orchid, uh, which is, of course, what it needs. That's pretty incredible, but it also sounds a little too altruistic. What's in it for the trees to share its resources? I mean, share might not be the right word in this case. I mean, it's probably more accurate to say the plant is is stealing the tree's carbon, but but it's still pretty cool. Fair enough. But I, I think you said plants actually communicate through this net as well. Is yeah, right? this is this is pretty interesting. So a good example is there's this bean plant that sends out a chemical signal whenever it's under attack by aphids. And when this happens, other bean plants in the area will pick up the distress signal through the mycelia net. And even though they aren't under attack themselves, they'll actually activate their anti-aphid defenses. This is so cool. So the question is, are the bean plants intentionally sending signals to warn their neighbors? Or are the neighboring plants just sort of like eavesdropping to see if there are aphids in the area? And technically, the jury is still out on this, but I do like the idea of plants having each other's backs. Aw, me too. Uh, All right, well, moving on from something potentially sweet to something decidedly not sweet, let me tell you a little about fatbergs. (laughs) I hate that you picked fatbergs as a topic. They are so gross. The time has come, though, (laughs) because I thought at least a few of our listeners out there would get a kick out of this, and maybe will too. We'll see. But fatbergs are pretty much what they sound like. It's uh, an iceberg, but made out of fat instead of ice. And another difference is that fatbergs don't form in the open ocean. They form underground, primarily in the pipes and sewers of cities. And that's because fatbergs aren't made from just any fat. They're made from the fats and oils that we wash down our drains each day. So we're talking about everything from cooking oil to hair grease to body wash, All of that gunk eventually collects in the pipes beneath our streets, and it solidifies into a massive chunk of debris, a.k.a. a fatberg. Mm, Fatberg. (laughs) Now, that would be, you know, gross enough on its own, but the reality is even worse because everything we flush down the toilet is also fair game for the fatbergs. Oh, it's just such a great word. Disgusting. I just feel like we should all chant fat berg, fat berg. You were saying fat bird, I think. Well, anyway, sorry. Oops. I love those. All right. Uh, anyway, that's right. Because unfortunately, it means a lot of bathroom trash that we have no business flushing in the first place, like dental floss, wet wipes, and uh, prophylactics. All of yeah. that results in a big tangle that's really tough to deal with. And if these fat bergs are left unchecked, they can actually grow so large that one can clog an entire sewer pipe, slowing water flow, causing widespread backups of sewage. It's not pretty. And when it gets to that point, there aren't a lot of ways to deal with this. Like you either blast it with a power washer or you chip away at it with a pickaxe. Yeah, you hear that, Lowell? It is your time to shine with that pickaxe. <laughs> so I, I am curious, even though I'm grossed off with this, how big can these get? Like, I, I'm almost afraid to ask. Yeah, they can get, like, disturbingly big. The The largest one to date was found uh, beneath London back in 2017, and it was over 820 feet long and weighed more than 130 tons. Oh, I know. It's hard <laughs> to wrap your head around just how massive that is. But for reference, that's nearly three times the height of the Statue of Liberty and a little over half the weight. So way, way too big for a sewer. And and keep in mind, like New York City spends roughly $5 million per year combating fatbergs. So even the smaller ones are a huge problem. Now, I, I do feel like we should clarify because I know, I know we've been laughing a little bit about the name fatberg, but 
I feel like we should go on record and say that the PTG family here, we we are firmly in the anti-Fatbergs camp, unlike some of those other podcasts out there. But <laughs> listeners, please do your part and don't feed the Fatbergs. All right, we'll be back with more after a break. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius. We're talking about all the strange stuff that you could, but probably won't find underground. And I think, Mango, I think you're up next. What do you have? 
We've talked about living underground. So let's talk about working underground. And there's a weird new opportunity in Sweden where it doesn't even matter what you're doing down there. There's this job available. It's a new position. The only requirement is for the employee to clock in at the Korsvagen train station, which is currently under, I guess it's under construction beneath Gothenburg, Sweden. And really, that's it. According to the job description, quote, the position holds no duties or responsibilities besides the fact that the work should be carried out at Korsvagen. Whatever the employee chooses to do constitutes the work. Seriously? Like, that sounds amazing. There, there's got to be a catch there, right? There's actually no catch. It's a legit job offer. It's complete with a competitive starting salary, uh, annual wage increases, paid vacation, even a pension. And, and the best part is, you get to enjoy the job for the rest of your life if you want it. The people behind the project call it eternal employment. You might be wondering who's behind the project. It's the work of these artists, Simon Golden and Jacob Senneby. They partnered with the Swedish Transit Authority and they raised about $650,000 for the project. So the idea is to grow that initial sum through investments and use it to pay one employee for as long as they choose to work there. And if they ever want to retire or, you know, just not hang out underground uh, this train station all day, then they can simply leave and, and a new employee will be chosen to take their place. It's a super strange idea. But if it sounds like the job for you, then there's good news because anyone in the world is free to apply. The only hitch is that you have to wait a few years. The applications won't be accepted until 2025, uh, which is a few months before the station is set to open. I guess that gives people plenty of time to uh, to get that resume ready. But all right, well, if people are going to live underground and work underground, you are definitely going to need a way to relax underground, something that we don't often think about when we're thinking about constructing these sorts of things. But if you're looking for inspiration, you could always take a page from a group of French cinephiles and host your own underground movie theater. So to give you some context, there are about 200 miles of stone tunnels beneath the Montparnasse neighborhood in Paris. Now, those tunnels are a product of the city's ancient stone quarries, and they also serve as the final resting place for more than 6 million Parisians. That's basically because they're catacombs. And even though they're not open to the public, people have been frequenting these things. Now, back in 2004, the French police discovered a 400-square-foot cavern. Now, this is about 60 feet underground, um, and it had been turned into this amphitheater, complete with a full-size movie screen, projection equipment, and a wide selection of films. There were even 20 or so seats carved directly into the stone itself. How cool is this? That is super cool. It's like a secret movie club. It's like yeah. literal underground cinema. That's right. That's <laughs> but, right. I mean, do you know? I'm really curious. Like, do you know what kind of stuff they were watching down there? I couldn't find any exact titles, but the reports I saw were that there were a bunch of like 50s noir movies and some recent thrillers and the police did say that none of the films were obscene or banned or anything like that, but that's not to say there wasn't anything nefarious going on. According to this article in Gizmodo, the police also found, quote, 3,000 square feet of subterranean galleries strung with lights, wired for phones, and live with pirated electricity. The officers uncovered a bar, a lounge, a workshop, and a dining corner complete with its own couscous maker. <laughs> I feel like illegal couscous is the tastiest you, couscous. You know it is. You know it is. That was my favorite part, actually. But the creepiest part is that when the police came back three days later, all the phone and electricity lines had been cut. And there was a note on the floor that just said, don't try to find us. I mean, isn't that spooky? 
Wow. <laughs> but that's where I thought the story would have ended. But apparently years later, someone claimed credit for the secret cinema. The perpetrators turned out to be a group of urban explorers who started mapping this underground network for fun. And they liked it so much that once they were done with the maps, they started looking for new ways to spend time down there. So they built themselves a movie theater. I mean, you got to stay busy, you know? And It's true. <laughs> Actually, I have another fact here, another movie fact. Uh, mine's a little different, though. Uh, it turns out the salt mines in Kansas are full of old movie reels. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly because it's it's such a stable environment down there, like for storing the films. The temperature stays right around 45 degrees and 25% humidity. It's pretty much perfect. And and obviously, you know, weather isn't a factor down there either because some of these facilities are, are more than 600 feet below ground. And that's important because at warmer temperatures, celluloid film will actually start to rot. Uh, they call it vinegar syndrome. And it's because the decaying film gives off a really strong vinegar smell, apparently. Uh. <laughs> So is it just old celluloid movies that's in these vaults or do they store new films there too? Yeah, it's a mix of both nowadays. Uh, there are tons of the early celluloid classics like The Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind. Uh, most of the Looney Tunes from the 40s and 50s are down there too, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, later though, that's movies awesome. shot on film are also there. Like the original Star Wars is down there. But it's not just films either. Studios also use the salt mines uh, to store props and memorabilia like uh, George Clooney's bat suit, his uh, Batman costume. It's down there. No way. I'd actually forgotten that he played Batman. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I, uh, I think the studio probably wants to forget that too. But and, and, and pretty sure that's why the suit is hidden down there. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, my, uh, my last fact of the day here, I, I thought I'd keep it simple and tell you a little about the deepest hole that has ever been dug. It's called the Super Deep Borehole, and it was drilled into the surface of the Kola Peninsula in Russia during the 1970s and 80s. So after 20 years of drilling, the hole reached its maximum depth, which is 40,230 feet, or roughly seven and a half miles underground. I mean, that sounds insanely deep, but refresh my memory. How close to the center of the Earth is that? Oh, no, it's, it's nowhere close to the center of the Earth. There, the, <laughs> the, but it's still pretty cool. So the, the Earth's core is almost yeah. 4,000 miles below us. So seven and a half miles is barely half the distance to the, the Earth's mantle. But that's the deepest we've ever managed to get in terms of true vertical depth. Uh, so that's the deepest hole drilled by machine. But if you're looking for the deepest hole ever dug by hand... That honor goes to the Wooding Dean Well near Brighton in the United Kingdom. It's 1,285 feet deep, so almost exactly as deep as the Empire State Building is tall. And so this well was dug over a four-year period during the mid-1800s, and it was a long way down just to get some water, you know? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I really like all the New York references. The Fatberg was as big as like three Statue of Liberties, the <laughs> Empire State Building mm -hmm. here. But, you know, I, I think I'm going to call this one and give it to Will because I really like that plant internet fact. I, I think that one kind of blew me away. Uh, Gabe, you cool with that? Oh, totally. Plus the underground movie theater. Will takes it. Yeah, uh -huh. I'll take it. I appreciate it. I feel like I'm uh, I think I'm two for two now and it feels pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you guys. <laughs> All right, well, that will do it for today's Part-Time Genius. From Mango, Gabe, Lowell, and myself, thank you so much for listening. Stay inside and send those bad invention ideas for that whopping $6. We'll be back soon. 
Part-Time Genius is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.